Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Get the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. race fans welcome to the hoobazoo radio network and welcome to drafting the circuits my name is frank santoroski i'll be your host for the next hour as we go over everything racing from this pack from this action-packed weekend uh that's behind us joining me in the studio i've got uh louise torres and richard uden what's up folks hey how's it going going good all right so uh we had two races in detroit for the indycar series we had the debut of Tony Stewart's SRX series, and we had the NASCAR all-star race being held at Texas Motor Speedway for the first time. That being said, let's go ahead and start off with the, um, the duels in Detroit or the duel in Detroit, um, which is, uh, you know, it's been the held uh, after Indy, Indy, Indianapolis for a while. Sometimes it's a little bit of a boring race. Sometimes it can be pretty exciting. I, I want to say, you know, for my money, both these races were pretty good. Uh, we saw uh, Marcus Erickson become the seventh different winner this year in race one. And then in race two, which was round eight of the series, we saw Pato Award become the first repeat winner on the season. So seven, seven different winners in the first seven races till somebody repeated. Pato takes the points lead from there. We'll get into that in a bit. Uh, but I do want to address the the thing that has everybody losing their mind, which was the television coverage. Now, <laughs> you know, mm, now, yep. now in my mind, I mean, I've, I've, I've never seen anybody lose their minds so much over missing eight corners of a race because a lacrosse match went over. Okay. Well, so here's yeah. In fair. Well, this is not the first time as y'all recall, 2018 Sonoma, because of Vegas having a red flag, they missed pretty much the title deciding factor moment when Rossi ran over the back of Marco Andretti. So it's not the first time for those who've forgotten or still remember. Well, it's certainly not the first time because when I was young in the 80s and IndyCar was on ABC, it was it was like nothing. It was a regular routine for them to join the race, 20 laps in progress, because somebody was finishing up on the ninth hole on a golf match. Uh, but but I mean, it's, it's beyond me how people got so upset because this lacrosse game went a little over. Right. So it cut into the pre race show. And then right as it's getting close to green flag time, this match goes into overtime. However, however, they settled the, the you know, sudden death overtime. They settled it quite quickly that one team got them a got them a score ended the game. They cut right to the race. We're still on lap one. 
they use these split screens side by side to show the start. So you didn't miss a thing. Now, the race went long because there were two red flag periods, but NBC stayed with it until the end, just like they stayed with the lacrosse match to the end. You know, so I want to say network TV learned their lesson years ago about cutting away from a live sports event. Um, And you can Google 1968 Heidi football game um, to uh, to to realize when that lesson was learned. So anyway, so people lost their minds over missing the start. Um, So that really primed them for. Oh, the following day <laughs> when the, the decision was made to, and I mean, in retrospect, it was a pretty poor decision to try to sandwich uh, IndyCar in between the French open f- final matches and the Stanley cup playoff game. It's a very tight window and tennis, you know, like baseball um, is not rigidly timed. It, it can take some time to end. You know, it's because, a crown because, jewel. Right, because it's based on scoring and it's not based on time. So this French Open goes well into overtime, right? To NBC's credit, they go ahead and move coverage over to CNBC. And honestly, you really don't miss a thing other than the 30-minute um, pre-race show. But we're, you know, from the green flag, we see all the action on CNBC until... It comes a time where this tennis match ends, and it's I, I believe we're about three quarters into the race, halfway, halfway. And then halfway, we yeah. then we then we revert back to NBC. Now, okay, so here's here's the thing. The curious decision for me was why didn't you just when you move it to CNBC, why didn't you just stick with the race to the end on CNBC and also move the conclusion of the race to NBC because as soon as they moved to NBC, you had to switch your channel. Okay. So for me as a casual fan say, Hey, maybe I've got time to watch the beginning of the race. And then I got to go to work. Hey, it's on CNBC. Let me just set up my DVR to record CNBC for a while because all CNBC had on their slate was infomercials all day. And then when they switched back to NBC, they went right to, uh, you know, whatever, you know, a reverse mortgage or whatever the heck they were trying to sell. Um, so that for me, I was like, okay, that was a little bit of a, I curious, think the, I think the problem thing. was that I found anyway, when I was trying to watch it, it was recording. Um, I I'd, I'd set it to record and on both occasions, it, you know, obviously recorded what was on NBC. So I lost the first eight corners for the first year, whatever. But then the second race, I was out all day. And when I got home in the evening, I thought, oh, I'll watch it. And I think, oh, I'll enjoy watching tennis. So it wasn't, you know, but, you know, for people that recorded the race, that was the bigger issue. Certainly. Certainly that was the the bigger issue. And then, of course, if you recorded race one, right, where you only missed a little bit, if you didn't set enough extra time there where that race went over with the red flags, you'd have missed the end. Yeah. Yeah, so, and, and, that's, and my... that's you know that's the that's the caveat of recording. Every time I record a race, right, I, I'll I'll just record the next four or five programs after the race, then I can delete them. But uh, you know, if I'm not at the house, I have no way of knowing if they're going to switch to yeah. another. Network. No, I'm lucky that my uh, my DVR thing does like sync automatically. So when it went over, it reacted to it. But I know there's a lot that don't. There's a lot that don't. Yeah, yeah that, that technology exists. But I mean, at, at the end of the day, though, I mean, NBC SN replayed both races in their entirety on Monday afternoon. And also, you know, if you have the Peacock app, you know, it's about 24 hours after the race, they upload the full broadcast. 
Here's so, your things, real quick. The fo- well, you mentioned about Ratter, why not stick to it? I mean, it reminds me of 2001 when they had the Fall Charlotte race that Sterling Marlin won, where the race was supposed to be on NBC, but it was also the, then W decided to talk about everything that's happened post 9-11 and what they're going to do, so they moved the race to TNT. Re- they stuck with TNT the rest of the race, but you, those who were watching NBC still got to see the latter portion of the race. It can't be done. I don't know why would infomercials get in the way of those who are watching it on CNBC. That don't exactly. I don't know why he just didn't keep it on CNBC. Because I, I actually I was lucky enough to be off from work on Sunday and I was sitting in front of my television. So I was able to turn it to CNBC when they said, hey, we're going to be on CNBC. But I'm like, OK, so why do I have to change the channel back to NBC when you're just putting an infomercial on? But, uh, you know, that is neither here nor there. Yeah. And uh, the because corners. I mean, at the end of the day, the, the people are so scathingly mad at NBC. And OK, number one, the lacrosse thing is not really their fault. These things happen, right? Yes. Over these, these things happen right now. The yeah, you can say that was a pretty poor decision to, to sandwich it in and a- after the French Open. OK, when you could have yeah. put it on CNBC to begin with or NBCSN. But at the same time, I get it. The um, the series wanted to have. The maximum race is on NBC as as they could. However, yeah. at the end of the day, the ratings were quite good for both races. They were not bad. They just only got beaten by SRX, which we'll talk about later. But going back to that eight quarters, unfortunately, the yellow came out as it did. They were able to show the first eight quarters, see what happened. Not much really happened compared to Sonoma in 2018, where the title, like again, the title was basically decided in the first couple seconds, and they jump in literally after it happened with Rossi going off course and all that for a bad opening lap. And the thing that people got mad at the end is that we didn't get to see Marcus Erickson's post race thoughts because they said it was going to be on NBC app or NBC.com. When you look, when you type NBC sports.com, you got nothing. So you had to wait till social media posts, the Erickson interview. And then when Jenna Fryer tweeted about Will Powers comments, then the question was, was it bullpen related? She's the approach Will. And then come to find out the stuff that Jenna tweeted was literally what Will said on the telecast that Europe got to see live as it unfolds. We just, uh, the us folks in America had to wait. Europe, those who have Sky Sports F1, got to actually see the post race live and unfolded. Right. But however, at the end of the day, I, I'd like to say that NBC is doing a pretty good job. They're doing all they can. Yeah. few curious decisions here with the scheduling. But but I get it. You know what I mean? I I got to see most of the races and then, you know, I, I've got them on Peacock. I watched them again. Uh, and caught what I missed. But let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the races now. Right. And not the television. Right. So the interesting thing for me with the Detroit races, OK, was the fact that the uh, you know, everyone's got to make that stint on red tires. Um, And the red tires are notorious for going off quickly on a rough service, particularly at Detroit. So we had guys, you know, as early as lap two coming in to, to say, okay, I did my, did my stint on reds. Let's get on the blacks, right? Drop them to the back earlier. Other guys tried to, you know, get the best out of the reds that can. So you had a lot of varying strategies in there and, and it was, you really didn't know who was winning and who was dominating until later in the race. And then, of course, then we have the situation with Felix Rosenqvist, 
uh, that caused the first red flag, which was a very, very scary incident. And, um, you know, if, if you watch that thing, if you see how far he moved that concrete wall and, and threw the, the tires over the wall, um, and you could see that they cut to an in-car shot of him, and you could see him grimacing in pain, uh, you realize this was a major hit. And, yeah. and, and the initial was, this, was, this is a stuck throttle, right? And to me, I'm thinking stuck throttle, okay, throttles are all fly-by-wire this day and age. You know, your conventional thought of a struck thro- stuck throttle is your cable gets stuck and, and, it, and it won't come off. But that's not how these cars operate. It's all, it's all electronics. So uh, uh, they determined it actually wasn't a stuck throttle. They really didn't say what the cause was, but they said they did apply a fix to it. So um, Richard, you, you, you're, you're my tech guru. So uh, I want you to kind of uh, sort of talk, talk us through how this uh, may have happened with the stuck throttle. Or not stuck throttle. Or not stuck throttle. Well, whatever happens, at the instance when he downshifted, it went you know, full RPM. Oh, open throttle, I think, would probably be a better phrase to, to say it rather than stuck throttle. Um, the fact that they've said they've implemented a fix makes me think it was a software glitch. Um, so typically what you'd have on these cars, you know, your throttle is, as you mentioned there, Frank, fly-by-wire. So the concept of fly-by-wire is you have a sensor on the throttle which will determine how percentage, let's say, that the driver is pushing on the pedal. That will then go to the main ECU, which is in IndyCar is a McLaren um, advanced, uh, McLaren Technologies uh, component, which is the same for every um, car on the grid. It's a common component. As McLaren provides the ECUs to Formula One, Formula E, NASCAR, you know, so they know what they're doing. Then within the ECU, They'll take that signal uh, from the throttle and then transmit that to um, internally. These ECUs do both chassis and engine management these these days. So from that position, they'll then determine the ignition sequence mixture, all this sort of stuff. You know, some very, very quick, high-speed, almost real-time calculations for throttle, uh, you know, butterfly valve position, all this sort of stuff. So thinking about it, yeah, what can cause a stuck throttle or an open throttle? Now, typically, with the throttle being such a critical component of these cars, you'll have a fail surfing or you'll have a redundant system. So you'll have two pedals or two sensors on the pedal, uh, both completely electrically isolated from each other, which go back to the ECU. And the ECU will typically have a sort of a, a comparison algorithm within that. So it'll say, okay, um, whichever is the least demanded signal is the one that we will use. So if throttle position sensor A is at 51% and B is at 50%, you know, just due to noise or whatever, then it would go to 50%. So what that will prevent is an electrical fault within one sensor causing an open throttle now it would cause a off throttle if it if the fault made the sensor think i'm not being applied then it would go to the not being applied position 
by default, and that would stop the car, which would happen anyway. So best of a, you know, it's not great, but it is what you do. Um, so to have this happen is very, very, very unusual. So that's why I'm tending to sort of go down the concept. This is actually a... Um, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner a software glitch because it happened right at the point where he was downshifting into the corner and of course the, the shifting pattern goes all goes through the same ECU and you know as, as good as these guys are at the software development there is always the very 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 unusual possibility that a certain set of sequences within the software causes this event to happen and they'll know instantly from looking at the data and the telemetry from the car, you know, exactly what happened. Um, so that would be my guess. There's a, some sort of software glitch in there, which would probably be common. I don't know how NASCAR, oh, sorry, uh, IndyCar structured their software regulations within the ECU. I think it's relatively tight. So I imagine this is something that would have affected every manufacturer and every manufacturer would have had to have a new software installation prior if they found it quick enough probably prior to detroit too um you know they can they can change the software pretty quickly on these um, ecu so without knowing for certain that's my guess as to what happened um but i doubt it was what you would consider in the old days of stuck throttle um no well certainly you know, wasn't certainly wasn't. no no it, it would have been an electrical issue or a software I, I, again I, and i'm I'm probably edging towards the concept of being a um, software problem within the ECU. Um, yeah, the, so I not mean, good. For, for not good McLaren, at all. For, yeah, for, for McLaren's part, they really were kind of a little bit tight-lipped about what the thing was, but they said it was a, a redundant something, you know, and they applied a fix to it. Said they really didn't come out and say what it was, but they say we got it fixed. Uh, but at the end of the day, Felix ended up in the hospital. Uh, yep. thankful, thankfully, no broken bones. Um, very sore. Um, missed, missed race too. They put Oliver Askew in the car. Um, mm -hmm. Now comes out uh, the middle part of this week that he was uh, reevaluated by IndyCar and not cleared uh, to run at Road America. Um, largely, I if I had to guess, they didn't say is that he didn't pass concussion protocol, which uh, I, I mean, this is concussion protocol is something you take very, very seriously. I mean, if you recall, it wasn't that many years ago that Will Power had to sit out at uh, St. Pete. St. Pete, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, Askew had, had to sit out too. 
Ask yes, that is yeah. yeah, so, uh, but I mean, and that was, I, when I, he, I mean yeah. that was when he went against the concussion protocol and it just didn't get any better, wasn't it? I think. Right, right, yeah. So he had that got... hit at Indianapolis, and he's oh, I'm fine. When in fact he wasn't. He got and... wrecked at Gateway, which who knows how much damage a minimal wreck like that could do. Yeah, yeah. look so, at Dario. You know, they said look at Dario. Yeah, they, they told that guy. Yeah, and and Dale Jr. Uh, yeah, n- another guy with too many um, concussions. So these are things that are taken seriously. So it'll be um, actually Kevin Magnuson, another uh, old friend of McLaren, former McLaren driver, who's going to sit in for Felix uh, this coming week at Road America. And we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later in the show uh, because I do want to get on to the rest of race one. So as race one wears on, right, Will Power finds that his strategy uh, with the tires and the pit stops and everything works well. And he's he, he looks to be kind of on a uh, on, on, on course for a comfortable win. Now, then, then late in the going, we have a situation with uh, Romain Grosjean, who hits the wall, brings out a yell, and they decide to red flag the race in the hopes of finishing under green. You know, we don't have the situation where the red flag was 100% necessary, as in the, the Felix. Yeah. Rosenkvist, you know, they, I mean, Felix, they needed to repair the damage to the course. Yeah, uh, so I was were... surprised it took them long to throw red. They went about a lap or two before they finally went red. It's like, there's no way this could be done under yellow. I'd imagine the way it was tilted up, well, the way it looked at one angle, the nose looked completely destroyed. To right, where I was thinking, right. how bad did he hit the barrier? I he wall damage and... There was a couple of laps, wasn't there? Yeah, um, about a yeah, lap I was and surprised. Half. And this one was like, nope, look, let's throw the red right out, right out of the gate. It's like, that one could have probably been done about a lap or two, and you would have at least. Yeah, well, I mean, what the, the 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 some of the the things I had uh, heard and read is that the uh, the the way that the damage was to Groshan's car was that the floor of the car was actually laying right on the track, so so they they couldn't kind of just roll it out of the way. They had to get the wrecker on the track, which probably would have taken up the rest of the scheduled laps. So they wanted to do their best to finish under green. So they threw a red there. Now, as we all know, um, all the cars pulled into the pits. Willpower had a pretty healthy lead. Um, he's the first to the pits. Um, and as soon as the last guy gets to the pits, uh, you're allowed to uh, come check on your guy's service car. Will's power is screaming for a fan because he's afraid his ECU is going to overheat. Uh, but he cannot get that fan until the last place car is in position. And then what happens next is will willpower's car does not start uh, because the ECU fails. Um, willpower says that uh, it, it, it burned up because of the heat. Uh, other people speculated, well, you know, you have that matte black car. Um, maybe that's caused it to be a little hotter than no. everybody else's. So, uh, no. you know, so uh, that, that, and, and then, then, then when we go back to green, Marcus Erickson, Wins the race. Marcus Erickson, who is uh, all three of us are fans of Marcus. We all like Marcus Erickson, and we're all very pleased for him to get his first win. And um, another interesting thing, Louise, when's the last time uh Ganassi team had three of their drivers win a race in the same season? Oh, that 2013. I was going to say, that's not the year that Kimball won. Yeah, yeah, when Kimball won at Mid-Ohio. Yeah, so that's great for them. But now, Richard, again, so now we're talking about these ECU units. 
ECU unit. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. So it comes out a couple of days later, a matter of fact, earlier today, that the actual issue with Will Powers ECU was the fact that it jumped into a boot mode mm-hmm. and it and it could. I, I mean, the, the press release did not specifically say it, but it kind of alluded to that this could actually be driver error because we either didn't, uh, Will either didn't uh, press the buttons in the right sequence or he didn't wait long enough in between pressing the button. So again, yeah, I'm going to throw this to you. My tech guru who has spent years working on steering wheels for uh, formula <laughs> one drivers. And um, yeah, so kind of, kind of take us through this boot sequence and, and how, Oh, boy. this seems yeah. this seems a bit uncommon as well. But they said it was the same kind of thing that happened to um, like Hunter Ray uh, earlier in the season, and uh, I think Rossi was, Rossi was the other guy. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, basically, these ECUs in these cars are, are computers, and they're very expensive. They'll be goodness me, I don't want an IndyCar ECU cost, but you know, you're probably looking in the thirty, forty thousand dollar range, quite comfortably. And what will, um, you know, what will happen when you turn a car off? It's like a computer; you know, it shuts down. And when you turn the car back on, it the operating system within the ECU has to boot up. Now, this is a very simplistic view of it, of course, but you know, everybody's booted a computer, and in, you know, not so much now, but a few years ago, you'd get that like. DOS prompt or whatever it was and say, oh, you know, press F1 for this and F2 for that while it was going, you know, through its launch pro- you know, boot process. And, and potentially that's what's happened. You know, there is a, there could be like a default mode or a master reset mode that they can do to the ECU while it's in the car. And that could be, you know, you boot the car up and you hold a certain button on the steering wheel while it's booting up and that force, forces it into a bootloader mode. Um, if that's the case, that's a pretty, pretty, pretty crap design, really, that it's possible for that to happen. But that's not to say it won't. I mean, I've worked with drivers that, you know, that they literally sit in the, you know, I've been at tests in, you know, all over the place. And, you know, especially Formula One or whatever, you know, the driver sat in the car because he didn't want to get out between runs or whatever. And he'll just be. I wonder what that button does on the steering wheel. Oh, oh, sorry, guys. Yeah, you know, that's just like whatever, dumped a lot of, you know, whatever it may be. And, yeah, they're terrible at that. They really are. They're awful at just messing around with things. And I'm not saying that he didn't, but, you know, it could be that he just, you know, purely accidentally pressed the wrong button. Um, and, I mean, you... you, you you know, you, you watch the IndyCar guys, and their steering wheels are reasonably complicated. You watch the Formula One guys, and I mean, it's it's six or seven years ago since I was last working on the steering wheels, and they were complicated then. Now they're yeah, like and on now it looks like level. the panel of the Starship Enterprise. Yeah, especially with the hybrid systems, because you've got so much stuff you can control and so many settings. Um, it's it's phenomenal. But, you know, that's why these guys spend hours and hours in the simulator. A lot of that, a lot of the time a driver is in the simulator isn't to learn a track or whatever it may be, or set the car up. That's what the simulator driver is. So for Mercedes, Formula One team, that would be Anthony Davidson, for example. He'll do 
hundreds of hours in that Mercedes simulator every month for setup work. When the drivers go in there, typically they'll go in there to learn how the car works. So steering wheel functionality, pedal positions, all this sort of stuff. That's what the driver will learn from simulator type. Now, obviously, in IndyCar, it's slightly different because I don't think any team has its own simulator. I think they use either Honda or Chevy uh, simulators at their respective um, locations. But it's, you know, they're complicated things. And it's, I mean, it's very possible that the driver, pre- you know, that, that he did press the wrong button. Um, one, of, uh, one of the guys I worked with who is now an IndyCar driver and two-time Indy 500 winner, um, didn't start the British Grand Prix back in... 05 because he pressed the kill switch on the steering wheel while they were on the grid before the race. He literally, they've done the formation lap, he sat on the grid waiting to go, and his finger catches the kill switch. Um, after that, they put a little shroud around the kill switch so you couldn't accidentally press it. But it, these things happen, you know, it sounds really stupid, and you look at it, you know, but it, you know, they, 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 uh, you know, they're human and they make mistakes. So yeah, you know the interesting thing about this whole conversation you're having here, you know, it adds a whole new layer to the whole argument of, you know, today's drivers are not as good as the guys in the no old way. days because of it's the a different skill because of the drivers' day, but it's a totally different skill, <laughs> skill set. It's a different skill, skill set. Now, yeah. I don't know if anybody uh, listened to it. I caught a very very small segment of it, but um, the Formula One does this uh, Beyond the Grid podcast, which is a pretty good listen if you ever get a chance. And recently, uh, in the last couple of weeks, I think it was, Jeff Gordon was on there. And they were talking about the time when he drove that Williams. Um, was it 04? Was it 05, maybe? Oh, was uh, it him and, him and Montoya? Oh, Montoya. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was about yeah, and, 03, and, 04, right around there. And he said, you know, he just couldn't keep up with what the driver... And again, the steering wheels then were a lot simpler. And he said, it's just, you know... He said, you know, driving a NASCAR is, is relatively a natural thing. You know, you don't really think about what you're doing. You, you know, you just drive it and you feel the car. Uh, Formula One guys, he says, you, you're just thinking at a million miles an hour. And, you know, it's almost like they forget, you know, I've got to remember to brake here because I'm trying to, you know, think about everything that's going on. And it is, and that's where these guys are so good. They're almost like fighter pilots in some ways these days with so much information being thrown at them. And that's what always amazes me when, you know, you, you get a driver on the radio and he's asking about strategy and position and what sort, you know, I think you are processing so much information in real time. And then you also have this ability to laterally think about something that is totally out of your control. You know, well, what's the championship position? Oh, if, if Max gets the fastest lap here, then I need, to, you know, just it's just unbelievable they this is the difference you know from a raw talent standpoint i don't think you know we can go we can talk about this all day but generationally i don't think there's much difference you know the, the best drivers oh, now would be best yeah. drivers it's a different the, it's, a, it's a different talent yeah yeah but the the you know and maybe some of these guys now don't have that sort of flair that you know the the senators and the Villeneuve had back in the 70s and 80s um but you you know you put one of those guys from that era into a formula 1 car now and they probably won't get down the pit lane you know as horrible as it is and that's not being derogatory they're just so damn buttons to press and so many you know i mean like the clutch sequence just to start the car on the on the on the at the race start, you know, 
you've got two clutch pedals paddles behind the steering wheel. And you think, well, in your car, you know, if you drive a manual car, you've only got one clutch pedal, so it's just up or down. But in these, you've got two, so they're they're independent and they're granular. So you can, you know, the, the, the start could be like, okay, when you pull both clutch pedals in, paddles in, and then when the first red light comes on, you release the right clutch pedal to 50%. And then when all the lights go off, you release the left clutch paddle fully. And then when you shift into second gear, you release the right clutch paddle fully. You know, those are the sort of sequences that you might, and you've got to find the bite point of the clutch and all this sort of stuff, because they used to be in this position where you just pull the clutch to a certain position. And then electrically that would become the bite point. Because again, it was like a fly-by-wire system. But they got rid of that, I think. So the driver has to feel it. But again, there's so many little tricks they can do to make sure that that number's right. They can like, wedge their finger between the back of the steering wheel and the paddle to make sure they get the clutch bite point and all that sort of stuff. Lots of little tricks they can do. Yeah, I mean, it's no it's no wonder that some of these young kids who were raised on playing video games kind of kind of take to this quite readily, you know? Yeah. So so anyway, so now, uh, usually about this time of the show is when I say, Richard, you've been kind of quiet, but you've not. So <laughs> now, now, yeah. now, Louise, you've been kind of quiet over there. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what I want to do is is have you uh, take us through race two, race two where we saw uh, Joseph Newgarden start from pole and try a curious um, tire strategy, and uh, just just go ahead, Louise, take us through uh, race two because I know uh, it was your countryman, um, Pat Ward, who won. Yeah, even though I didn't say he he was going to win, I, I and that one I forget who I said. I know I said one of them was hurt. I heard it didn't. He had an okay race. He had a solid one, but it was basically Joseph Newgarner in, in total domination mode. The problem that he put himself into now, I remember, wasn't and the opening lap caution was in race number two when Max Shilton ran over the back of James Hinchcliffe bringing out the caution right out of the gate. Problem with what happened is several cars pitted to get away from the reds and go to the blacks. As you mentioned at the top of the show, you must run the Reds at some point. New Garden was stuck with the prime. He stick with the primaries, and that caution ultimately, he said after the race, that ultimately bid him because you to pit or not to pit. Because if you didn't go with the prime, there was so much strategy in this race. While New Garden, he led every single lap up until lap sixty with three to go. He had to go to the Reds in his final stop. He had to make it work. Problem was, you had Colton Herta, you had Pato Award, you you even had Takuma Sato running faster laps over time because the tire, the primaries work much better than the alternates over time. It's natural if the primaries will last longer. The Reds are mostly just right out of the gate. Few laps, but long runs is not going to be sustainable. What didn't help Newgarden was that caution for Roman Grosjean. This time, for the for, for the front tires, the front tire brakes were on fire. Groshan tried to put it out himself, but he even went to the corner worker to get one. But AMR safety team decided, no, we got it from here. Let's say you, you don't have to worry about. It. We'll take care of it. Groshan was not none too pleased. Fortunately, on social media, he had he played he played along with it. He said it was Detroit Fire Department T-shirt. Because Groshan was readily to put that thing up because imagine. If the car gets worse, you don't know what a fire could do in a car. You don't know what a fire could do with the brakes. If it stays on for long, 
it's going to be consequential for, for in some ways, even though when the brakes are cooked, they're cooked. But you want to have some sort of data to, and diagnosis to figure out what happened. So once that, that little episode was over, the race restarted with a few laps to go, and Pato was on it. He was, what, six? He got by both Ray Hall cars. He got both, no, I think it was Sato, both Ganassi cars. And then with three laps to go, Pato and Newgarden about tangled. Newgarden's rear end got completely sideways, saved it, turned seven and eight. Pato had that move on the inside. They tangled. They touched the fenders. It caused a little tire more, tire rub. little donut on Newgarden's left side. Fenders? Yeah. Okay. I had, yeah, a little wheel the, <laughs> wheel the side pod there. Okay, there you go. Left side pod. So there was a little donut on Newgarden's car. But that's all that Pato needed, and Pato went by and smoked Newgarden. As soon as he got by, eight to nine second lead margin. Pato went on to win his second career IndyCar race, first repeat winner, and he takes the championship lead by just one point over Alex Below. Below finished on the podium. Newgarden barely hang on for second. Herta, who was supposedly the more stronger car at the end before the caution came along, he ended up fourth. So. Right, so let's let's talk about Pato's restarts, okay? Because this has been a topic. How is Pato so good on the restarts, okay? And uh, you know, as I look at this thing, right? I think you know, number one is driver skill. The dude is just on it, right? I mean, the the, the biggest factor in those restarts is the driver itself, his uh, aggressive nature, his fast hands. But but I think. I think McLaren is doing something with perhaps the toe of the tires to where he's getting heat in his tires faster than the other guys, uh, which, you know, and, and we've seen, we've seen Pato in some of the races earlier in the season, have his tires go off before other guys where, where he's making hay on the restart, but then he's losing ground later, but here, you know, with uh, not that many laps to go, um, uh, you know, I feel like there's just a little something in the setup. Nothing, you know. I mean, some people are, you know, have their conspiracy theory tinfoil hats on that they're doing something illegal. I, I heard somebody say that they're using traction control. I'm like, okay, yeah, that would be blatantly um, <laughs> obvious to the, anybody with a trained ear if they did. Yeah, you'd be able to hear that in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, but Richard, what do you think about it? Do you think they're doing something with the maybe the, the toe or the stagger of the tires to, uh, it can be, yeah, it could be. Yeah, the camera get a little heat in them. Like yeah. More so, and you could be, but you know, you, and that's the thing, you'd notice it, wouldn't you? You'd, I, mm, I think it was more than that. You look at the speed differential, you would have to be like in a different zip code on setup if that was purely setup. I think he had a sweet spot of tire age, and yeah, setup for sure. And a lot of these nice things, um, you know, just right. And it was a perfect storm situation. You know, Pato was in this flow. He, you know, he got his brakes in the right operating zone. He can, you know, brake later. He can, you know, he, he, I think it just all worked for him. I certainly don't think it was anything. Because to look at the lap time differential, I mean, it was about a second a lap or something, wasn't it? That's not a setup, diff, purely setup. Um, if it is, then you'd have to question why the McLaren cars weren't doing it. Um, you'd also have to ask and question why some of the other 
teams with large resources, Mopensky's, Ganassi's, Andretti's in this world, who will be able to do these complicated and complex simulations, didn't find that you know setup just right. And yeah, of course, you could be in a situation where you know that the length of stint and everything just set up perfectly for him. But no, I think it was a combination of a lot of things. I don't think you can just purely put it down to uh, to set up on that one. Okay, so you're kind of in agreement with me that the largest bit of it was just the driver skill. Oh yeah. I, I think and, and perhaps just... said about something to do with it, but yeah. And there's other guys like yeah. that, like, like Graham Rahel. It's like, how the hell is he so much faster than restarts? <clears throat> well, maybe he's just better at it than you. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an art, you know, I it, remember, it is uh... an art. Yeah. I mean, cause we've seen guys like, uh, Oh, uh, Rossi, Alexander Rossi. Yeah. And, and Tony Kanaan. Um, on some mobile tracks just to be able to make incredible hay uh, on a restart yeah. just by, uh, you know, kind of anticipating that start and just making the moves because, you know, you know, as well as I do, the, the best time to gain positions is on that restart because the cars are not going to be yeah. bunched, bunched that, that much the rest of the day. So this yeah. is, uh, uh, you know, hats off to Pato. I mean, I, I'm so oh, glad, yeah. so glad to see. So here's, here's a guy that was, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, signed a crap deal with uh, Harding Steinbrenner that uh, that almost saw him out of the series, and so I'm farmed out to Red Bull and then Carlin. Red Bull. I'm, oh yeah, to Carlin, and then, and then to Red Bull, and then farmed out to Supercar or, or Super Formula. Super rather. Formula, mm-hmm. yeah. And now one and, Formula and, Two start. Yeah, and and now back to IndyCar, where he's he's you know primed to be the next big star of the sport. People love this. I guy. think you look back on him. He's always had that, you know, little edge, you know, coming through the series and the ranks. But, you know, it was a shame what happened to him in that sort of Formula One transition and phase that he went through. Um, you know, I don't think there's any doubt that he certainly had talent, but it was just circumstance, I think, that went, went against him. And it was very strange that Red Bull did what they did. You know, you we'd known about him for a while. So why they didn't do it either earlier, yeah, that's or later, or give him a full season? That was a little bit. Eh. It's like, oh, here we are. We're going to throw you in the deep end of the swimming pool. Oh, you can't swim. Uh, sorry, you know, rather than you know, build him up a little bit. So that was a little bit unusual. But um, you know, the guy's certainly showing it now, and certainly showing the, um, you know, the, the pace and the raw talent that I think we've all known he's had for a long time, and it, it's. You know, you look at some of the race winners. It's certainly, uh, you know, we talked about this before this year. You know, potentially the signalling of like the changing of the guard within the series. Although Dixon was there or thereabouts for most of the races. You know, where did he finish? You know, both in the top seven or eight, both races, wasn't it? He basically had yeah. an all right race. It's just non-factor, as, honestly, in the second one. The first one, he was in the mix, but pit stops, the red flag, yeah. and added fuel kind of kept them out. And that's but why it's he's points, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dixon is still gathering points. I mean, this now that we're in the second half of the season, you know, we got Pato is leading uh, Alex Palou by one point, and then Dixon yeah. is right there, you know. But, yeah. but, you, but you have some yeah. of your other regular suspects, yeah. New Garden, uh, Pagano. New Garden, New Garden, Rossi, Pagano are a bit farther back, and Rossi's quite a bit farther back. Uh, yeah, Rossi is, yeah, Rossi has not been non-factor. Pachino's, I'm looking at it, he's having a pretty quiet season. Outside of a couple 12 finishes, 12th place, he's been in the top 10. He's been racking up points. 
just not in the mix of winning yet. New yeah, Garden yeah. Ha- has been, and with and lost in that well, shot. Yeah, I mean, Arena to, to, to the point, won't be you, know, you know, Power really came close to winning race one, and New Garden really came close to winning race two. But at the end of the day, they, they both came up empty handed. Yeah. Yep. And all in the closing laps. Mm hmm. That's what it goes like that other race we'll talk about later. Right. So, yeah, like I said, I don't want to waste all our time or not. I mean, waste. I don't want to take up all of our time uh, with the IndyCar race because we are off to Road America, which is uh, one of uh, my favorite tracks and a lot of people's favorite tracks. It's a nice picturesque circuit in um, rural Wisconsin that uh, covers four miles. It's a classic road course. And we're going to have um, Oliver Askew will be sitting in for Renus VK. Renus VK had a cycling accident in the week between or he broke his clavicle and had to have surgery. Uh, so uh, VK is out, which is a shame because there's another guy right up there in the championship mix. Yeah. He got a podium in race number one. Yeah. And he, and he, and he won at the Indy Grand Prix earlier. He's, I, th- I want to say he's like fifth in points. Yeah. He was uh, tied so, with passional fifth in points, but so, so him VK having, having to miss this round. Uh, I mean, the good news for him is that there are, two weeks off after road America for the race again, but you know, to, he had surgery for the clavicle. I don't know, you know, how long the recovery is on that, but we hope to see him back in the car. But in the meantime, it'll be ask you in that car. Um, Felix Rosenquist, like I alluded to earlier, did not pass concussion protocol. And it'll be Kevin Magnuson making his IndyCar debut at uh, Road America. And there's another guy making his IndyCar debut at Road America, which is a certain Mr. Cody Ware. Yeah. Now, now, Louise, let, let's talk about Cody Ware. Yeah, he's lucky that he's at a four-mile road course, but I'll give him the benefit of that of this. It is a Dale Coin prepared car, much like Groshans. Yes, it's going to be a little bit difficult with the spots, with which car is who, because Roman will be in the same sponsorship as always. But Cody who runs the cup and Xfinity, mind you, the latter, he gets points despite not running any of them, honestly, but he's running the same sponsorship as Grosjean, like he does in the cup series. He'll be the 52 car, So you'll be in the third coin car that was supposed to potentially enter the 500, but they didn't have sponsorship and the logistics just did not work out. So for where it'll be his first IndyCar race, which somebody Ask Scott Dixon where or not should be te- should younger driver like rookies or debutants like where and Magnuson test. Dixon put it right on the money. A guy like Magnuson who's done open wheels his entire career, just this year he's doing IMSA, which coincidentally, hours after Gross, I mean, Rosiquist's accident, he won the IMSA race with Ganassi. He got the approval and everything, all was good. But I say for some drivers, they don't have to. I mean, with, with Cody, he's done testing. During the offseason, obviously everybody's concerned, will he be a burden to the competition? That's why I said he's fortunate that it's a four-mile road course like Road America. Don't think it should be a problem. Also, it's a Dale Coy prepared car. Well, I think, he- I think if nothing else, Cody Ware gives um, Dalton Kellett and Jimmy Johnson somebody to fight with. Yeah. That sounds unkind, but it's but here, No, it's fact. true. It's true. He'll be right out of the bottom. Uh, right around where Johnson and Kellett are. But the thing about Johnson that apparently some people got upset over, like, yeah, he's struggling. But when we look at a race by race, 
he actually got better over time. But that's the thing about Johnson. He gets better over time. And we got to be patient. But how much patient can we be sometimes as far as Johnson's development? Well, I mean, that, uh, you know, the only person that needs to be patient is Carvana. And Ganassi. Well, no, as long as Carvana is writing check to Ganassi, Chip doesn't no. need to be patient at all. No, it's true. No, I mean, we know, saw Charlie like, Kimball you know, and Mike and I, just, I, just, I just love, love some of the social media comments that, oh, he's taking up a perfectly good car that another driver could have. No, he's not. They added a car for him. Yeah. And he, he brought a sponsor on board. So, And I, I feel like Jimmy will perform better at Road America than he has at some of the street circuits like St. Pete and Detroit. Yeah. That's just all out of his wheelhouse. Road America is a little more wide open. You know, there, there's there's a good amount of runoff area. Uh, I think that Jimmy, I, I'm not saying he's going to crack the top 10, but I don't think Jimmy will be last year. I, th- I think no. it's going to be a, kind of a good experience for him. But I now, now yeah, but now Richard. But let's talk about the, oh, go ahead. Let's, no, let's talk about Magnuson. Yeah, that's what I was yep. going to. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about Magnuson. Cause that's, this is exciting. It's awesome, isn't it? I love it. It's great. I mean, I feel sorry for the guys involved that, uh, you know, have obviously, uh, uh, you know, got to this situation, but um, I, 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 yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, uh, Haas reunion, and also apparently yeah. Haas F1 has become the quarter, the quasi road to Indy for some because all of them <laughs> will have an Indy car. <laughs> so we got a question: When is Mick and Massapur going to make their Indy car debut? Well, you got Massapur can stay as far away as. <laughs> Pietro Fittipaldi, he was involved with yep. uh, Hassan IndyCar, wasn't he? So, but no, yes, I, I yeah, he's certainly a driver. Yeah, I, I think it's a shame that obviously you know it's come, you know, these, these circumstances have come about the way they have. But Magnuson has, he's always struck me as one of these drivers. He's a little bit old school in his in in, in a way. In that he'll drive anything. Um. You know, he loves driving pure and simple. You know, he's he's a, I don't want to say a, a modern day sort of James Hunt mentality, but, you know, he doesn't care about the, uh, you know, everything that goes on with it. He's, I, I would say, well, he's maybe like a charismatic Kimi Riker. Uh, You know, he's very abrupt. He's very to point. He'll say what he wants to say. He'll say how it is. He just, he's... Sound bites don't get the publicity because he's not a multiple or you know world champion and multiple race winner. Um, but I, I I think, and I hope in a way because I think he deserves the the opportunity. I think this could be like a stepping stone into a full time ride next year. Um, I don't think he'd be one of these drivers that comes over from Formula One who's like, hey, yeah, I don't want to do ovals. Oh no, he'll be like, yeah, bring it on. I want to do an oval. You know, yeah, I think Magnus he's as mad as a box yeah. of frogs. You know, when it comes to that sort of thing, you know, get out there, do it. Yeah, let me, let me, Adam, sort of thing. And uh, yeah, I, I think he'll, he'll love it because you know he's quite an aggressive driver in a way. You know, he likes getting his shoulders out. He likes, you know, and, and the Indy cars just naturally do lend themselves a little bit more to that than the four and one cars did. So. You know, I think he'll do well. I think he'll put on a really, really good, solid show. Um, you know, dare say he could be in the top 10. Um, but Semi-probable, I, uh, but he doesn't have... Well, here's what he'll have in his advantage. Three practice sessions and a qualifying. Yeah, he'll be... By 
if he's starting at zero percent and like ultimate performance is a hundred percent, he'll be at seventy five percent by the end of the first practice session. And, yeah, and I'm he's, sure he's, he'll get yeah, simulated not, seat time not, and all this sort of stuff. He's you not stepping step into a crappy big, car. He's no, he's a big organization. Yeah. Yep. He'll have simulator seat time. He'll have some of the best engineers around to debrief him. He's got a teammate who's, you know, the only multiple race winner this season. So, you know, he's got a lot of things going for him and he'll jump in there and I he'll be I mean, I, I dare I mean, say that Kevin Magnuson at a hundred percent performance would probably be class of the field. You know, no disrespect to any of the guys out there, yeah. but I think him at a hundred percent would probably be as fast, if not faster than anybody else. So if he can get to 90% for the race, then he'll be a force to be reckoned with. Which begs the question, how much, uh, how much uh, like acclimated a driver gets from driving IMSA this season, like Magnuson is to any car, because you see a lot of engineers work in IMSA and IndyCar. Like they even do double duty, like a couple of the Ganassi yeah. folks. I mean, it's from, from the driver, it is pure, muscle memory they don't think about what they're doing you know they don't they don't sit there and think okay right i've got to press the brake pedal now and then you know they just the top guys the really 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 good guys you give them a couple of sight laps and then they'll know exactly you know they'll be able to like press a brake pedal at you know 200 meters out and just coast into a corner and through that sensation that they've got they'll know right if i'm flat out i can break at 80 meters you know they don't need to go go like 200 191 you know they don't need to incrementally get up they can get a feel for the car and how it responds and go okay i i i I eased into this kind of right this is where i need to be next lap and they'll do it they'll hit it straight on and and magnus and i firmly believe has the experience and the enthusiasm and you know all the key attributes needed to jump in that car and really be competitive straight off the bat all right so fellas we're in the interest of time because we are we're we're almost up against our deadline let's uh, let's go ahead and pick a winner for road america and i'll start i'm gonna say that team penske bounces back after two close calls in uh detroit and that uh Will Power wins at Road America. I'm going to go with Dixon. Hmm. God, dear. Wow. They were imaginative picks, weren't they? Oh, you went out on a limb there, boys. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Colton Herter. Okay. All right. So, uh, <laughs> not exactly uh, a wild card, is it either? <laughs> not exactly a wild card either. Yeah. So, but I mean, when you come to think about uh, certain. Mr. Alexander Rossi, when we get to Road America, it's, it's the uh, two years, isn't it? Two, two year anniversary of his last win. And uh, if you recall how good he was there, then that's another guy to keep your eye on. That That's a guy whose luck has to change. Yeah. But anyway, but so, does it look? It is can't it look, though. He just hasn't been. I, you know, it's, it's, I yeah. think it's a combination. It it's can't combination. change that Long Beach because that's the finale season be over. Yeah, well, he's, I mean, his championship is way out of reach for him now. So, yeah. but anyway, so Louise, uh, uh, Tony Stewart's SRX yes. debuted, uh, spec cars with some, uh, 
some really, you know, fine names from the past year. We've got Elio Castro Nevis running that, Paul Tracy, Tony Kanan, Bill Elliott's in there, uh, Bobby Labonte, as well as Tony Stewart. Uh, but none of those guys won. No, as a matter of fact, the class of the field were basically Greg Biffle and Doug Kobe. Great. Doug Kobe, who was the quote-unquote local hero, he's the one who is, knows Stafford Speedway quite well. He's running the modified six-time champion and all. He, see, he sacrificed a modified race to run this race. He was second in points in the modified championship trail. But after that, he went down to eighth. But he went on to win the big 100-lap feature. Aside from slipping out of his car when he won, he, he was just dumb. He, had to, he was the class of the field. It was a good showing. A great people will recognize him, hopefully, and maybe. Oh, let's tune in and see how he does the modifieds on, on NBC Sports Gold. But he had a great showing. Marco had probably the move of the race. He had the he was flying. He made a, I think it was like a three white pass into turn three. I thought I was like, well, Marco's actually going to have a strong run. He may actually get a top three. And of course, then Marco Sluck arrived. And he ended up not doing too good. He had his own issue. I think he got, I think he got clipped by Elio. If I were, yeah, he got turned by Elio. So that was interesting. So yeah, Marco's race didn't started phenomenal. Went south relatively shortly thereafter. But right, next- so, so so the the SRX is on CBS. Yep. And it runs for is it what seven consecutive Saturday nights? Is that correct? Or six straight Saturdays. The six, next one six is straight Saturdays. Okay. Knoxville right. 50 lap feature. All right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's a little bit of a niche thing. It's almost like, you know, they tried to do the, you know, the years ago we had IROC and then we had the, uh, the fast masters. Um, and this is another kind of thing in that vein with spec cars with older guys in there. Um, and the, the ratings were, the TV ratings were actually quite good. What they I did really good. Yeah, they did really well. That's why, and I mentioned earlier, it outperformed the both IndyCar races at Belle Isle. Question is, can it stay there? Of course, some of them are not going to run the whole year, like Doug Kobe being one of them. I know it, there's the local hero switches race by race. Greg Biffle won't be in the that one either. Instead, we're going to have Brian Brown, World of Outlaws driver, Scott Bloomquist, renowned dirt racer, and of course, the youngest driver in the field overall, not named Ernie Francis, who did have a nice showing, to say the least, Haley Deegan, which you say what you will as far as of all women, you could have gone with other people, but we'll see how she does. I don't expect her to set the world on fire, but we'll see. Uh, the, you know, the one criticism I heard of the thing was that uh, you know, because all the cars are kind of painted up identically. The numbers uh, and the name rails were small. So yeah, somebody had had mused that perhaps they should. If you remember the old IROC series, you had the driver's name really big on the windshield. That's where they're doing. Or, yeah, yeah, but or or on the side of the car. So I guess they said it was too small. Oh yeah, they're fixing it. So uh, this Saturday you'll see a drastically different look. The numbers and the names are going to be much bigger. Okay, great, great. Okay, so we got three minutes left to talk about uh, NASCAR's All Star Race in Texas which was mildly confusing if you didn't have a calculator. If you didn't have a calculator, pad of paper, and a pencil. There's so know. much things I did, not, I did not like about one. Call it segments. Don't be calling it rounds. It's NASCAR. Uh, get that round system out of, my, out of my NASCAR. It's like some people say, call it segments or stages because I had a – it's like 
don't call it something special just for the sake of being special. And the race was okay. The thing was, when you're up front, you stay there. It's like after a couple laps, it's like clean air reigns supreme once again. Brad Keselowski, Team Penske driver, try to be, try to hunt down Kyle Larson. He led, he was getting there, but you couldn't beat Kyle Larson. You couldn't beat any of the Hendrick cars, period. If they're up front, forget yeah, about I, it. I thought, I thought Brad had it for a while, but he just kind of ran out of laps there and ran out of laps, ran out of tires at the end. But, uh, or it's just the car, the package that they run, you just cannot do anything. No, 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 not without a couple of, you know, cars behind you pushing you. Or long runs, which yeah, they really yeah. didn't have. At no, all. I mean, the, lo- the longest run in the thing was 30 laps. Yeah, but it was kind of split in half because of Ryan Newman turning Ross Chastain. So it was basically split into two, two parts, honestly, when you really think about it. But Larson won another all star race. He's just been on fire. Nashville is coming up. We'll see how that goes. But since it's a concrete track, expect Hedrick to probably be dominant. Therefore, I'm going to go with William Byron as my winner, not Larson. Yeah, let's talk about Nashville. Nashville's an interesting track, and this is not the Nashville that um, NASCAR had initially hoped to go to. They had hoped to go to the um, Fairgrounds Raceway, but instead they're going to the old Nashville Super Speedway, which is actually uh, about 30 miles east of Nashville in Lebanon. This is where the Indy cars ran for, for a while. Uh, the track is not, it's, it's like an odd length. It's like, uh, it was like 1.3 miles or 1.1 and a third 1. mile. Yeah. yeah 1. Like 1.1 and a third. Yeah. But, uh, I fondly remember going to this track, uh, when IndyCar raced, I, I went to four or five in a row. Uh, it doesn't have a lot of grandstand. I think there's only 30,000 seats there. They've added more just because of the demand was there. Well, of course, of course. But, you know, I'm talking back in 2004. Oh. Um, but they, they would actually sell it out for IndyCar. And uh, it always put on a pretty good race. Uh, and you got this concrete, you know, straight up concrete surface. The banking is, there's some banking, but it's relatively flat. But uh, I, I'm not sure that uh, how... Um, the cup series is going to perform here. I'm not sure if we're going to see a follow the leader uh, or, or we're, we're going to be able to uh, actually get some movement going on. We'll see how it pans out. when we talk about it next week? Because okay. So, uh, so you, pick, you pick William Byron. I'll pick, uh, I'll just say Kyle Larson wins again. And Richard, who do you like? Kislowski. Uh, Keselowski. Okay, so Formula One. Where France, has- Paul Ricard. Paul Ricard. Who would you like to pick there? I think Hamilton gets back to winning ways. I think this circuit will suit uh, Mercedes more. It'll be a bit of a reset for them and back to back to a, a, say a circuit that suits them a little bit more. So, yeah, I'll go with Hamilton. Okay, and Louise? Since he got Hamilton, we're stopping. Okay, since you got Verstappen Hamilton, I'm going to say Sergio Perez goes back to back. No. Oh, I don't know. But with that being said, we are out of time. So I want to thank you, uh, Richard and Louise. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank Spreaker, um, um, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. And I want to thank all you folks who listen to us. Um, You know, I I enjoyed tonight's show, just talking about IndyCar for the most of the thing. But uh, 
yeah, so hopefully next week we'll have more time to uh, spread stuff out. But uh, till next week, man, good night. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.